0: Welcome to Indie Reads Aloud, a storytelling podcast with your host, Diana Catherine Plopa. Come, gather round, grab a snack, and listen to a story. Each week, we'll feature a new indie author with a story to tell. There are no long-winded interviews, no sales pitches, just stories. Most of the stories we'll tell will be family-friendly, but if they're not, you'll get fair warning before the reading begins. If you want to hear more, investigate the story notes for links to the author and where to buy their books. You can find us at dkpwriter.com. And now, sit back, relax, and listen to a story. Welcome back, everybody. I'm so glad you're joining us for another episode of the Indie Reads Aloud program today. We have a really eclectic author who's going to be reading for us. Um, You're going to hear something I think that's going to be a little different than you're normally used to hearing on the program. Michael Sammerdyke is coming to us all the way from Virginia. We're very pleased to have you with us today, Michael. Thanks for joining us. Happy to be here. It's, I love meeting new authors, um, especially new indie authors. I love our community. So I, I'm at, welcome to the fold. Welcome to mm-hmm. the insanity. <laughs> okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. So Michael Sammerdyke was born in Cleveland, Ohio. He is a graduate of the Odyssey Writers Workshop and has won the Lonesome Pine Short Story Contest twice for Snowman and The Rest of the Way Home and the Appalachian Heritage Writers' Symposium contest for the Frankenstein doll. He currently lives and writes in southwestern Virginia. Today, he's going to be reading from his collection of short stories entitled Toys and Tunes. This is a fantasy humor book, so less traditional fantasy, more make-believe fantasy. Keep that in mind as you listen. Toys and Toons is a collection of six fantasy stories inspired by toys and cartoons. Meet an unloved toy that looks like Frankenstein monster, a a cartoon star looking back on his past, and a wolf recalling his war with the three little pigs, among other characters. I'm super excited to hear this because when we were talking off air, it sounds like a new take on some old stories. So, um, Michael, when you are ready, please take the microphone and read aloud.
1: Okay. The Frankenstein doll. Why he looks just like the real thing. So said everyone who saw him standing on the shelf at Wintergreen's Toy Department, with his outstretched arms, squarish head and fearsome scar, he did look just like the Frankenstein monster. A Robin Hood doll and a Rhett Butler doll stood on either side of him on a shelf high enough that only parents could reach them. They were somewhat expensive dolls. Occasionally, a parent would pick him up to marvel at his detail, but after the parents studied him, the decision was always, no, he's too scary and will only cause nightmares, and he would be left on the shelf. During his time in Wintergreens, the Frankenstein doll had seen a dozen Robin Hoods and five Rhett butlers sold. He had lost count of how many female dolls had been sold. Southern bells, ballerinas, nurses, and queens, they all flew from the shelves. After hours, Robin Hood and Rhett would go up to the shelves of the female dolls and flirt. Come with us, old chap, each new Robin Hood would say. The Frankenstein doll would only shake his head. No, he would not go. He would motion down to the legs in his impossibly bulky shoes, and the fleet-footed outlaw would nod in understanding and then hurry off. But the Frankenstein doll could still climb to those other shelves. He had once, his first night in the store. He could still hear the gasps of dismay that burst from dozens of doll throats as they saw his scar and bolts rise above the shelf. An uncomfortable silence then dragged on until he left. Once had been enough. Still, each night as he stood alone, he remembered one blonde doll with bright blue eyes who wore the cheerful harvest holiday dress of the old He thought of her as Gretchen, and he told himself that she alone of all the dolls had not turned away from him. At least that is what he thought he remembered. Yet he never dared to go a second time to the female shelf to see if his memory of her response was indeed true. Indeed, he admitted, she had probably long since been bought. One day, a man in a hurry stopped before the movie doll shelf. He looked at the Frankenstein doll and said, he looks just like the real thing. The hurried man grabbed the Frankenstein doll and instead of looking at the face, looked at the price. Mark down too. Timmy will love it. The Frankenstein doll hardly knew what to think as the clerk wrapped him and put him in a bag. He hoped Timmy would be nice, but he knew he would miss Robin Hood. After what seemed like an eternity, sweaty hands ripped the paper off the Frankenstein doll. Dark haired boy blinked at him. Doesn't he look just like the real thing? The hurried man asked. Bob, he'll cause nightmares, the mother said. He'll have to go back. Oh, no, Uncle Bob, Tim said, looking away from the Frankenstein doll. I like him. He's a fine present. Well, keep him so Alice doesn't see him, the mother frowned. She looked at the Frankenstein doll in his box. They shouldn't be allowed to make such ugly toys. That night, Tim took him out of his box and put him on his dresser, carefully turning the Frankenstein doll so his face looked away from the bed. What does Uncle Bob know anyway, Tim said to Alice. I'm too old for dolls, but I wasn't gonna have mom make me look like a scaredy cat in front of him. Alice turned the Frankenstein doll around and looked at his box like it. And mom thinks I'm afraid of this. She shook the doll, laughed, and then put him down so that he looked at her brother's bed. Pleasant dreams, Timmy. Alice stood up and her foot kicked the Wintergreens bag the, doll, the Frankenstein doll had arrived in. She looked down at it. Uncle Bob and Wintergreens. He thinks it's the only place to shop. She laughed and hurried out of the room. Tim jumped up and turned the Frankenstein doll so he, he again looked toward the window. Two minutes later, Alice rushed back, a blonde doll wearing the festival dress of the old country clutched in her hands. I wanted a Barbie for my birthday. Her uncle was too stuffy to get me. Well, now she can be the monster's sweetheart. Suddenly the blonde doll's apple-colored lips were thrust against the Frankenstein doll's dark gray ones as Alice, Alice pushed the two figures together. How he wanted to put his arms around Gretchen and say that he would never have done this and that he would not hurt her, but he knew that the children were watching. So he stood stiffly still as Alice laughed. Finally, she pulled the blonde doll away and carried her back to her room. After Tim turned the lights off, tears ran down the Frankenstein doll's face. How could he go and see Gretchen now, after he had been used to humiliate her? The next afternoon, Tim had a friend over. Rich slumped and looked unimpressed as Tim showed him his new toys. What's this? Rich pointed at the corner of the dresser. Uncle Bob gave it to me. Cool. Rich picked the Frankenstein doll up and looked at him, running his fingers over the scar and tapping at the neck bolts. Then he shook him. You know, I think he could burn up pretty good. I've got an old Ford Apache set that's falling apart, and we can put him in there like he broke it up, spray him with some lighter fluid, and watch him burn. Rich laughed, holding the tip of his tongue between his teeth. It'd be just like a movie. Hey, I just got him. We could watch his face, melt. It'll be better than any stupid creature feature. What if Uncle Bob came back and asked to see him? Tim put his hands on the Frankenstein doll. You're not burning my toy. No? Rich took a lighter out of his pocket. Why not? He's Frankenstein. It's what he's meant to do. Well, I just got him. Tim twisted the doll out of Rich's hands. Burn one of your own toys. Hey, I didn't know you loved dolls so much. I don't. Prove it. You probably slept with him, I bet. Tim, dripping the doll in his right hand, thundered down the steps with Rich pounding along close behind. What are you going to do, Rich? asked. Tim stood at the front door, glanced around to make sure that mom wasn't looking, and pulled the door open. The flight of Frankenstein. He tossed the doll into the air. Moxie head turned over clunky feet as the Frankenstein doll flew over the green lawn. The grass got closer and closer. Then he thudded into the lawn with his shoulder. Needo. Rich ran over and picked him up. My turn. The boy tossed him through the air until he hit a wire fence and slid down it head first. Great. The boys tossed him around for a while until they got bored. And then they left him face down in the grass while they went inside to drink pop. The Frankenstein doll lay there unmoving. Had this ever happened to the Robin Hood dolls or the Red Butler, he wondered. He doubted it. Their children probably took care of them and pretended with them. The Frankenstein doll looked at the grass. Perhaps he thought if he were still in the yard by sunset, he would creep away. He thought of Gretchen with her blonde tresses and red, white, and black harvest dress. What a beast she must think of, kissing her like that. What a fate to be bound to such horrid children. Would it be right to just creep away and leave her to their mercies? A panting and a jingling approach, he continued to lie still. A brown, hairy dog trotted over. It. it dipped its wet nose down and sniffed him from head to toe as the Frankenstein doll willed the creature to leave him alone. Finally, the dog clamped the doll between his teeth and proudly picked him up before trotting down Elm Street. Gretchen, Gretchen, the Frankenstein doll thought as he shook from side to side as the dog moved its head, will I ever see you again? The dog, the dog carried him past the split-level houses and the cars in the driveway. A few girls raced down the sidewalk on their bikes, and the dog sprinted across a neat green yard, past a tomato garden, and then into another yard that was dominated by a huge maple tree. The grass wasn't as neatly mowed here, and someone was hanging out laundry on a line that ran between a pole and the garage. Get out of here. Beat it. Scram. As the person ran forward, the dog yipped releasing the Frankenstein doll before charging back to the other neighborhood. The doll landed on his back and looked up into the branches of the maple tree. What's this? The boy picked him up. His mouth made an O shape as he studied the Frankenstein doll. His fingers stroked the the scar with what felt like affection before the boy began moving the doll's arms to see how far they would go. It's alive! It's alive! The boy said. He held the doll out at arm's length and scowled at it. You go. We, we three belong dead. And then the boy laughed and held the Frankenstein doll with both hands. He rubbed its head and set him down on a bench under the maple tree before going back to hanging up the wet laundry. For the first time, the Frankenstein doll felt safe and happy. The boy, whose name was George, kept the Frankenstein doll in an old shoebox under his bed. Doll gathered that this was to avoid George's grandmother might be distressed at her grandson having a doll no one had paid for or for being too interested in monster and horror movies. On Saturday night, George would slip the doll out of the box and put him on the arm of the basement easy chair as they watched Preacher Feature, while the sounds of Lawrence Welk played loudly upstairs. One Saturday, the movie had a beautiful woman with long blonde braids. The doll watched her as she danced with the man who was really the werewolf, and he remembered Gretchen and those awful children. If only she could be here with him, he thought. That gave him a warm feeling, but, he asked himself, how could he hope to find her again? Frankenstein doll never knew what George did while he had to stay in the shoebox. But one day George slid the shoebox out from under the bed and took him outside. There in the old garage sat four folding chairs in front of a big wooden box lying on its side on top of a tool bench. Curtain had been stitched together from old dish towels and hung across the mouth of the box. When he walked over, George pulled back the curtain and stood the Frankenstein doll inside the wooden box. You stand up pretty well, he said. I hope the other dolls are about the same size. George took the Frankenstein doll out of the box and set him aside. Then he picked up sheets of paper and began slipping them into the back of the box one by one. A cemetery, a laboratory, a lake shore, a town square, a windmill, a fire. What did you want my doll for, Alice asked. I never knew you liked playing with dolls, Rich said. The Frankenstein doll went cold while George turned around. It's going to be a puppet theater. I found this great Frankenstein doll, and I thought, a Frankenstein doll? That's my brother's. Tim got him for his birthday, Alice said. You stole it. You took him out of the yard, Rich said. I did not. I took him away from a dog. That doesn't even make sense. You give him back now, or I'll tell your grandmother. The Frankenstein doll wanted to turn and look at Alice and Rich to scare them away, but he knew he couldn't. Instead, he watched George, who looked like he wanted to hit somebody. Now, nobody thinks you stole the doll, George, Alice said, but it is Tim's. I'll go get him and he can tell you it's his. A hardness filled George's eyes and he picked up the Frankenstein doll and held him out to the two children. Take it, take it and get out. Rich opened his mouth, but before he could say anything, Alice grabbed the doll from George thanks George, Tim will be glad. It would have been fun to have been George's toy, the Frankenstein doll thought, He wanted to see what George would have done with the theater. George got smaller and smaller as Alice and Rich ran down the driveway and along the road. The Frankenstein doll counted the yards and memorized the shape of the houses as Alice carried it. The two were running now, but he still counted and remembered, knowing that he would have to come back this way at night. He had to. Rich hadn't convinced him to burn him the last time. But the Frankenstein doll knew that he couldn't count on that lasting forever. Tim didn't even smile when Alice presented him with the Frankenstein doll. He took it and softly listened to her thanks or to her talk about George and mumbled a soft thanks when Alice took a breath. Then he carried the doll upstairs and put him back on the dresser, turned away from the bed till he faced the window. George, George, the Frankenstein doll thought as he looked out the window for a sight of the large maple tree It would be better to stand on George's stage, surrounded by strips of paper fire, than to burn in the blaze rich one. He had to get back to Never had an afternoon crept by so slowly. Tim shot baskets in the driveway, and the thud of the ball hitting the backboard sounded like the trump of doom. The thudding stopped, and the Frankenstein doll could hear voices. Were they Tim and Rich? Were they arguing? The mother came home, and the family ate supper. The Frankenstein doll watched the shadows gather and stretch across the neighborhood. He hadn't been burned today, but he had to get back to George. He had to. Tim stalked into the room and put on an album. The boy lay on the bed and stared at the ceiling as the music, r- music raged. The Frankenstein doll stood and watched the stars appear while he remembered the houses he must, must pass and the turns he hadn't. Finally, the album ended and after a bit, the Frankenstein doll heard Tim's steady breathing. Certain that the boy slept, the doll looked up at the moon and finally flexed his arms. He knew what Santa and the blue fairy said. It was wrong for a toy to abandon a child. He knew that that was true, but he knew more strongly than anything that he belonged with George, not Tim. Slowly, fighting the urge to run, the Frankenstein doll walked to the edge of the dresser and then climbed down to the messy floor. He walked past the scattered tennis shoes and socks without giving Tim a farewell look. Standing in the doorway, he heard a doll sob. The Frankenstein doll stood there for a few moments, wondering what to do, wondering if he had even heard the sound or just imagined it. He convinced himself that he should go on to George's house, and he heard the faintest sob. Ever so quietly, the Frankenstein doll turned away from the stairs and walked down the hall to an open door emblazoned with a poster. A smiling singer wearing huge glasses the frankenstein doll paused and listened and after a few moments another sob reached his ears carefully he stepped into the tidy room gretchen's head rose above the side of a brown grocery bag her pristine blonde braids hung forward over the drab paper the orange nightlight revealed that she had been crying never loved she said i was never loved suddenly the frankenstein doll wanted to run to her and say that he had loved her but he remembered the movies he had watched with George and realized this might scare the poor doll into screaming. Fighting the impulse to rush, he stepped closer to the bag and sighed. How could you not be loved, he asked. She was already too old for dolls, Gretchen said. Her uncle didn't see what she wanted, how she was changing. I was tolerated, but not played with, and now she will put me out on the curb. It doesn't have to be like that, Frankenstein doll said as he stepped closer. Look at me, I'm as good as out of the box. There's no sign that a child ever loved me or played with me. A doll loves you. The Frankenstein doll could hardly believe what he had said. He took a quick step back, ready for bitter laughter to fall from Gretchen's perfect lips. Instead, he watched as a tear fell from her eye. Holding his breath, he took two steps forward. A doll loves you and has loved you since Wintergreens. But I've been set out for trash. Come with me. I know a child who will play with you and me. Gretchen looked puzzled. He's a boy, but I think he wants to use us in a theater of some kind. The Frankenstein doll shrugged his boxy shoulders. Puppet work, but it is better than being set out in the trash, not played with. I, I, suddenly the Frankenstein doll rushed ahead and seized the edge of the grocery bag. He tugged it toward him with all his might, and the bag started to tip. Gretchen, I have loved you since winter greens, and I won't see you thrown away, he said, amazed at his courage with me, please. Yes. The bag fell, spilling all the unwanted toys across the floor. Gretchen shook off the plastic unicorn that had gotten a twiff in her apron and stood up to take the Frankenstein doll's hand. I will go with you to puppet work or recycle. His grayish green hand squeezed her pale shoulders and as he stooped to kiss her, she leaped up and kissed him. The Frankenstein doll couldn't remember how they got down the stairs or indeed much of anything until the next morning. When George found two dolls in the theater in his grandmother's garage. The end.
0: Nicely done. What a great imaginative story. I love that. Oh, well, thank um, you so much. So what was your favorite part about writing this story?
1: Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I sort of followed the uh, beats of uh, Hans Christian Andersen's uh, Steadfast Tin Soldier in a way. And so it was like sort of trying to see how I could follow that and like put it in a sort of, well, modern or sort of 60s, 70s-ish, you know, um, baby boomer, I guess, you know, childhood America or something like that, you know? And um, you know, part of it too was like to try to keep a tone. I tried to think of, you know, this is something I'd like to say, want Orson Wells to narrate, because I remember when I was a kid, um, there was an animated version of Rikki-Tikki-Tavi narrated by Orson Wells and stuff. Well, oh, so yeah, I, sort of I wanted,
0: remember seeing that.
1: Yeah, yeah, you know, so I sort of yeah. like, wanted that kind of overall tone for the thing and everything. So yeah, so, sort of a bunch of different threads tied well together. Well
0: done. Well done. Oh, I look oh, forward to reading the rest of the collection. Oh, I good. have already added it to my TBR list. So Okay. Great. Thank you so much. I, I'm really excited to have met you today. And I know that you'll be coming back two or three more times. You have more stories to read for us. Oh, I do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Yeah. Thank you so much for your time today. Have a wonderful afternoon.
1: Okay, you too. Great to be here. Bye-bye. Goodbye.
0: Thank you for listening to Indie Reads Aloud Radio. We hope you'll join us again next week for another story. If you're an indie author and you'd like to share your story with us, visit our website at dkpwriter.com to sign up and read aloud.